Good evening, crazy podcast people, and (laughs) yeah, welcome to another edition. (laughs) Another edition of uh, music, movies, and madness. And uh, tonight, your host is myself, Ian Wallace. The boys have finally allowed me to do it. Uh, <laughs> and after and, that, we may never let you again. <laughs> I know. I thought, what a way to bring us in. Tonight is a, is a, a, a cool show. This is the 385th show. And if you're still listening, you must be mad. Uh, but tonight, I've actually written some notes down. I've, gone, I've done it properly. Uh, it's a real, it's a nice night because it's a gathering. We have a bronanza, as Martin cleverly worded it. It's a, a bronanza show because we have not just one special guest, but two special guests. In so the it, house. Is a, it, it is a little bit like the Smurfs. It's a lot like the Smurfs, <laughs> and we are all starting to look like Smurfs these days. So let me introduce, let's start by introducing the guests uh no stranger to the show mark bulger how are you mark fantastic you can call me ollie please it's uh yeah far more informal ollie <laughs> yeah fair yeah, enough please, please. absolutely all the way <laughs> from sunny okura i am yes sun city okura this evening the best, as we are. yeah the best place in the world probably to live i'd say mate it is it is you know a bit about that so yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's nice to it's nice to have you here, mate. Thanks for taking the time. No, good, good. And, Thanks uh, for the um, invite for our second time round. Pleasure yeah. to be here. I had a good time last time, so uh, I'm happy to come back and and chew the fat with you lads. Particularly Can't when talking about music. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Mr. Glenn Chadwick, all the way from the Hutt Valley. How are you tonight, Glenn? Chadwick? Hello, hi everyone. Yeah, good, good. Looking forward to it. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and again, and no stranger to the show. Second time round, I believe. Yeah. No stranger yeah. to love. Hey, Glenn. Look at and that. A long time, and a long time listener. Long time. A listener. long time listener. That's right. Very much. But not a first time caller. Oh. We have <laughs> the, the usual. <laughs> we have the usual vagabonds. David Chan. G'day. G'day, Glenn Thurston. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, and Martin Gailey. Galia, 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 Galia. Martin, that's so staining. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Well, how do you pronounce your last name? Put me out my misery for damn sake. Well, you could say Galia, but it's also Galia, depending where you are. Oh, okay. Galia. That was close. If you're in the bathroom, it's Galia. Galia. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Says so, so, yeah, tonight I chose a topic which is uh, now it's a little bit different tonight's show. It's going to be close and personal to all of the dudes on the panel tonight. So it's a bit of a deep dive. I guess some of our listeners will know what the four of us are like in some ways, but uh, I can't wait to explore the minds of Glenn and uh, Ollie as well. And so I think what we're going to do tonight is we're going to sort of handle with care and and listen without prejudice our guys are all set up with their little snippets of their like that there's little snippets of uh songs 
we're going for albums that were life-changing and we're talking about music that uh had a major impact on, on your life in some way and before we delve i'd like to also extend this invitation to the listeners that are listening so if you want to write on a facebook link or that sort of thingy stuff that you do and just put your maybe there's an album that had a big impact in your life and whack it on there because i'm sure we'd all be keen to have a look mm. and if you want to put some personal stuff down there fair enough if you just want it to be there to listen to that's also fair enough we won't judge we won't judge yeah so let's just go around the room real quickly uh i've got a few simple questions just roughly what age were you at the moment of impact so let's start with dave so i was mid-30s okay yeah interesting. So relatively mature although some would disagree mm. interesting <laughs> yeah 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 mid-30s for dave what about uh glenn chadwick oh probably 17 maybe 16. yeah and uh yeah it was a different perspective i guess on what music could contain i guess to what i was listening to before okay nice martin how about you mate what how old are you um i think somewhere in the region of about three or four. Oh, oh shit. we're going wow. down man <laughs> glenn were you that's in here that's, wow. that's, that's a few moons ago mate that's oh. <laughs> <laughs> ollie where, whereabouts were you man oh uh i was 27 when this album came out but i was a a fan previously to to this album being released but this album particularly swung it for me big time so yeah 27. Yeah. 27 okay and glenn Wait, thurston finally. Just, yeah I'm, oh, 50, okay. I'm 56 now so it's wally yeah yeah glenn thurston how age uh, were you, mate? um it, it's always been around but probably from 12. about 12. i think i was but the same it, but, it, but it was always 12. there yeah so we've got for the listeners tonight a real variation of ages i can't wait let's delve into it and uh let's go fellas we'll start with uh one of the regulars just so the new boys can get an idea of how it's going to just of how it's a roll so we'll jump in with on my left david chan this um this record came out uh in 2004 um uh, i i wasn't aware of it um didn't discover it till about five or six years later uh i absolutely adore this record and was was gutted when um, i'm pretty sure we've done a 2004 episode and i didn't pick this record i should have um, cool and and so this is thank you ian this is the opportunity that i've been waiting for to get mm. this up and out there cool. it's a um it's a it's a local group um if you can call them a group so kiwis and uh um I, it's, it's one of one of those things that when you're going through something in life that is a first time pretty memorable pretty pretty important pretty memorable the music that you're listening to happens it just sort of takes you back there right it just sticks with you for some reason and it's just so happens I didn't go out buying this record thinking that um, it's you know it's something that I want to listen to because of what I'm going through, but it, it it sort of matches the time. So this is 
Everyone is here by the Finn Brothers. Second Finn Brothers album mm. and absolute perler um, in terms of a collection of songs that talk about family and love and um, innocence and all that good stuff that when Ethan was born, I was listening to. And it was just a kind of a coincidence. I don't know how it sort of work, worked its way out, but yeah, so I picked this up around 2011, this one, and it's a absolute stonker of an album. I'm going to put the first track on that. Um, I'm not, I mean, they had a number of singles come off this. The album did really well. You know, we kind of all know that it was uh, critically mm. acclaimed. It's uh, it's it's a classic. It's probably one of their best um, best albums um, as, as well, out of the Finn collection entirely entirety um produced by tony visconti you know bowie t-rex iggy pop sort of fame um so it's got the pedigree there um the song i'm going to put on is called nothing wrong with you track two absolutely love this song so um do you guys know it yeah no keep this up hey, uh, martin you do yep yeah yeah this is this is a Stunning song, so let me just uh, bring this up. Look for someone else to blame. You just keep on walking when they call you a dirty name. Masterful track, this one. And um, interestingly enough, Tim Tim um, wrote it uh, after um, witnessing his wife get, you know, racially bullied um, one day. And uh, mm. so the song's called "Nothing Wrong with You," and it's 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 it could be applied to anything, but it was written with the intent, mm. sort of, um, you know, sort of for his wife, which is really cool. Um, and so, yeah. I, that's uh that's probably my favorite track on there, but there's a there's a number of great tracks. So Luckiest Man Alive. And as a first-time father, you could sort of relate to that, right? Luckiest Man Alive. Mm. Um, great track, that one. Um, you know, beautifully crafted, complex chord structures in there. Uh and the harmonies are just to die for. Right. Um yeah, luckiest man alive. Um, there's there's something about when brothers sing together, isn't there? When when close family members sing together, just the way the harmonies lock in. Yeah, I was just gonna say, do you, do you guys? Mm. I, you can't you can't really fault the Finn Bros when they're together, can you? They're good. They're good. No, it's a matter of how good, right? So um, their first album has just been re-released on vinyl, um, and and it, it's great. But I'm you know it's sort of eighty bucks, and it's a lot of money. So I haven't. I'm waiting for this one to come out, which won't be too far, right? In terms of the twentieth anniversary, um, that really is one of my favorite albums of all time. This this track here, "Luckiest Man Alive," is um, just a catchy little tune. I'll just put a little bit. Won't put as much as the last one. But you see. I was ready for another try But I needed you to set me free Must be the luckiest man alive 
great vocals, eh? Oh, mm. you just can't get anything thing. more Kiwi than it, can you? I no. mean, it's just reeks of New Zealand. I mean, yeah. you know, all you guys are the same as me, just growing up with the Finns and totally. and to that sound. It, if anywhere in the world where you travel, every time you hear that voice, you just feel so, mm. I don't know, nostalgic. It's fantastic. Beautiful, brings you, oh, beautiful brings, voice. Brings you back home. And, yeah, so this is a record mm-hmm. that I just identify with. Um my firstborn and um you know the songs on here all god's children disembodied voices a life between us homesick a lot about family and that won't give in was was there um i guess it was the biggest hit that came off it in terms of singles and that but yeah definitely check it out the other song i'm not going to play but listeners go and check this one out is all god's children um absolute stonking good track that one um and that's me yeah what a lovely choice. Mm. That's, uh, I've, I've never heard that album myself in its entirety, so I'll okay. need to go and check that yeah, out. Yeah. Um, just a quick fire around the room. Neil or Tim, Mark, Ollie? Um, ooh, that's very difficult. Uh, probably Neil. <laughs> probably Neil. I just, I just, his, his probably just got, for me, the, the, his voice, particular voice, just an edge above Tim's. But, uh, but yeah, they're both legends. But I'll go for Neil. Neil, Glenn, Thurston. Uh, that would be a Neil, I suspect. Two Neils, mm-hmm. Glenn Chadwick. Yeah, can't argue about Neil. Well, it's three Neils, Martin. Four Neil. Four mm-hmm. Neils. I'm a Tim man, so Ooh. basically, yeah, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a Tim man myself. I'm with but, you, Tim. But, Tim in the 70, yeah. Tim and Split, in, Split Ends Tim, yeah? He really, really nailed it. Sensational. Yeah. You know what we didn't what we didn't do in the love songs episode last week was I see red. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, what a song. Take oh. me back to the ends of the era, um oh. the ends of the era tour, you know, where I remember playing at the Bowl of Brooklyn's in New Plymouth and they played there and Tim Finn was just on fire that night. He was just oh. magnificent. Yeah, just brings me back. Would have loved to have seen that. Mm. Right. Great thank choice, you. Dave. Yeah, good choice indeed. Uh, let's move down to our first guest for this evening, Glenn Chadwick. Uh, what album have you got for us tonight, mate? Okay, well, I'll start by just prefacing this with a review. Uh, hmm. The album was released in 1973, and the following review came out in Rolling Stone magazine. This album is a disaster taking the listener into a distorted and degenerate demimonde of paranoia, schizophrenia, <laughs> degradation, pill-induced violence, and suicide. It's Chadwick, that's so you, man. Oh, <laughs> Seriously. What the hell is sure. Glenn, can, is... I, can, I, can I see if I can guess it? <laughs> sure, sure you can. Sure. All right. No. Is I it reckon. Berlin? It is indeed. It is indeed. Hey, I got it. I I was going to go Huey Lewis in the news. He goes on to say, say, there are certain records that are so patently offensive that one wishes to take some kind of physical vengeance on the artists (laughs) that perpetrate them. Lou Reed's only excuse for this kind of performance, which isn't really performed as much as spoken and shouted over Bob Ezrin's limp production, can only be but this is his last shot at a once promising career. Goodbye. Oh. Wow. Hush. Hush. So, That's awesome. As Glenn first and guest, um, 
the album is Berlin by Lou Reed. Mm. Um, the first track that I'll play is a track called Men of Good Fortune, which pretty much sets the scene for one of the characters in this uh, concept album. Men of Good Fortune Often cause empires to fall While men of poor beginning Often can't do anything at all The rich son waits for his father to die The poor just drink and cry And me I just don't care at all So that basically sets the scene there um, it's a it's an uncaring sort of scene. It's <laughs> 1970s Berlin. Uh, you have Jim and Caroline who are in love, start a family, but it all goes pear shaped. And uh, reckon, yeah. <laughs> so when I got into this album, I was looking back through back catalogs, and it struck me as an interesting one to check out. Mm. And gee, was it interesting! Um, yeah, looking into that at 17. Yeah, well, it wow. sort of took me outside of everything mm. that I'd heard in music before into some really right? dark, sad stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, it started a bit of a journey over the next decade or so of some pretty dark albums, but uh, yeah, not anymore, not these days, but uh, yeah, and a lot of the themes are really more sort of rather than depression, rather than I'm really sad, more sort of like shutting down your emotions. Like the song says, he just didn't care at all. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting territory. Very interesting territory. Yeah. Have you got another song you could put on for us, Glenn? Yeah, I've got something a bit lighter. And um, yeah, it's a song called Caroline Says. There's two Caroline Says songs in the album. Uh, this is the first one. And it's got one of the great sort of bridges or middle eights in it where it just sort of takes off and flies. And he goes a little bit sort of Phil Spector in here too. Mm. It's got that sort of Ronette's girl group sort of sound to it. So I'll just share that with us now. The thing she says, people should treat others that way. But at first I thought I could take it Just like Paul is Hey, she was often very vile. But of course, I thought I could take it all. Caroline says that I'm not a man. So it's basically that uh, it's part of that song, but uh, it's uh, very up tempo, but lyrically very, very dark again. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, Caroline says I'm not a man I want to know what else she said So I'm going to go and listen to this album <laughs> um, Yeah, it doesn't mince words at all mm. And on the second side it gets extremely dark And there's one song where oh, joy. The kids get taken away <laughs> And to give a sound effect of the kids being taken away oh. Producer Bob Ezrin actually told his own kids That their mum was dead And she'd never been coming back coming back 
and recorded them screaming oh. for their mum. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't well, listen to that one and in 2011. That's on the album. <laughs> as, as you do. <laughs> Jesus. So it's real oh. kids reacting to the real situation of them. Oh. Mum's oh. not coming back. Yeah. Wow. That is wow. very Phil Spector. <laughs> do you, Glenn, Glenn, do you think that, um, do you think Lou Reed is a, a kind of sort of like a Marmite kind of musician? Is he, you either love him or hate him? Very much so. Very mm. much so. Um, his vocal delivery is very polarizing. At this stage mm. in his career, he was still at least kind of attempting to sing. Mm. But sometime in the mid 70s, he just basically even gave up trying to sing, really, and just sort of barked. barked. <laughs> <laughs> it just barked. I love it. <laughs> with with the production on that, um, well, Bobby's Runner is particularly renowned for theatrical releases. I mean, there's right. a lot of Alice Cooper in that production and all of Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, so, mm. yeah, he um, Bob's a huge part of how he pulled all that story together. And, yeah. Um, and I can't. Yeah, it, 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 they recently, oh, before Lude passed away, they did mm. actually do a few shows of it. Yeah. Um, and apparently it was quite joyful. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the fact first that they time finally got to do it. And it's the a, first it's a time ever that it's it had a, been performed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a theatrical piece. And mm. Bob Bob Ezrin went on to help a number of artists with quite theatrical goals. The, the quote over time was that Lou wanted to make a movie for the years. So he wanted 70s urban gritty, like a 70s movie. Mm. But people didn't want to hear that in an album. They wanted to see it at the movies, but they didn't want to hear it in an album. Yeah, yeah, the so, movies are really gritty in the seventies, eh? So, so a yeah. little bit, a little bit groundbreaking, really, maybe for mm, the for yeah. the time. And I think it was definitely for Ezra a bit of a dry run for what he'd go on to do with the wall. I can see bits of that coming through and the alienation, the mm. shutting off emotions, sort of thing. And when Roger Waters brought Bobby Ezra in the wall for Pink Floyd, it must have been ah, okay, so it's like this yeah yeah it was a mess by all accounts and then i pieced it together was at the time was there more of an artistic sort of interest or music interest in the lou reed i think it was an artistic interest as much as anything musical i'd um gotten into a lot of back catalogs of different artists around that time and I was just starting to explore his early stuff with the Velvet Underground and reading up about what he'd done as a solo artist as the ne next step and of course I'd checked out Transformer the big hit album and then I heard that the follow-up to it was this big dark gritty urban tale of a relationship gone wrong and you know um, and they're like oh okay that's a bit dark. That's a bit adult. Let's have a look into that. And uh, wow, it uh, kind of blew my socks off here yeah, because it was so dark. And um, yeah, a real psychological kind of gritty urban 70s movie. He, 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 as he music. Weird, I mean, the guy, this is a guy that weirded <laughs> out David Byrne from talking heads right yeah. <laughs> let's put this in perspective Dave, Dave Burns and Chris France managed to get Lou Reed uh, like go and visit his apartment and Lou was totally 
wacky dackied out right on the carpet <laughs> sitting cross-legged eating out of a two liter tub of ice cream um <laughs> at 2 a.m in the morning and these guys are you know and david burns is not you know he's he's pretty out there <laughs> he thought this guy's next level weird <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, the drug, oh, yeah. yeah, the drug tales of of Lou Reed, like just just crazy, crazy guy, but yeah. dead serious, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, right, yeah. deadly serious. He means artist, it. Yeah. Art. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And who would have thought? Yeah, Glenn, thank you for that review. That Cheers. was really good, and and thanks, thanks for deep diving into your <laughs> into your past. And uh, that's excellent. Thank you, mate. We'll, we'll, um, we'll move down to Martin now because uh, I'm curious to see what young Martin's got for us, especially at the age of three or four. Yeah. yeah. What was what was floating your boat at that age, mate? <laughs> okay. So as I've probably mentioned numerous times, I have an older brother. And I think um, when you've got siblings, things just trickle down, right? You know, hand-me-down clothes. Uh, toys, and yeah. to an extent, extent, music as well. Um, rather than an album to begin with, we had uh, a seven-inch single and um, had a black and white cover and a really striking picture on the cover. Um, we talked, yeah, we talked about um, this music, definitely, and we've talked about uh, the movie that the music's mm. from. But um, mm. this was... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hadn't seen the movie at that age. And in fact, I didn't see the movie for probably about four, maybe five years after that. Mm. Um, but uh, the album that the music's from is, was, still is, the highest grossing non-popular music recording of all time. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to play a bit of it, um, and this is what blew my mind at age four. from there really yes star wars um we, we you know subject this week being life-changing albums mm. so for me this was this is the album that introduced me to classical music it's the album that introduced me to the the idea of, of movies and music and the synergy between them and how they work together um and it's it, in a large part it's the album that you know really inspired me to want to write music and, and, and get into film composing and scoring and actually doing this kind of stuff. Um, so it was a huge album for me and it's been there all my life. You know, um, I had a, you know, 
at that point a six-year-old Star Wars obsessed brother. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure if he'd seen it at that point. I don't think he had. Um, I know he saw he saw Empire, so maybe that was his his introduction to it. I have no idea where this single came from either, because it came out in '77. So I have no idea where Mum and Dad got it for me. Mm. It must have just been on a shelf somewhere, and they thought, oh yeah, or, or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's you know, John Williams as a whole. When you think about his legacy, the work that he's done, I I put, would put my hat in the ring and say, you know, greatest greatest living composer of orchestral music in the last hundred years. Easy, mm. you know. Um, he's a he's a modern day. He's the equivalent of of this is our Beethoven really. You know, there's there's no one really can to that has had that level of success in writing mm. orchestral music, um, and being able to and certainly commercially successful, um, but also you know um, in in terms of like his awards and stuff. You know, if you we look back, I mean, he's got oh, yeah. oh geez, twenty five Grammys, seven Baftas, five Academy mm. Awards, four Golden Globes. And it's had 53 Academy Award nominations, which is uh, second only to Walt Disney. And when you hear those on the, because we're doing this podcast on headphones, mm. when you hear what you've just played, have you got another one lined up for us, mate? Yeah. When you, when, I'll just chat while we're doing that. But when you hear those sounds, I've never really listened to the Star Wars through headphones. But when you do, there's so many fluttery beautiful sounds how can you not mm. be inspired especially as a kid right Ian, his layers yeah. it's like an onion oh, so there's layers layers there's very <laughs> i've got to say there's, there's very few pieces of music that i listen to that actually get to me you know like goosebumps or the hair <laughs> standing up this is one um so there's, the superman score is another for some reason um there's not many, but like John Williams, yeah, he, he does it for me. Gets me. Kate, Kate Bush's Wuthering Heights, or well, for different reasons, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Um, yeah. So yes, the second just one. Just throw it in the movie, though, doesn't it, too much? Yeah, absolutely. So the second one I'm going to play to you, just a quick snippet of this. Uh, is, it was the B side to that single, um, and as, as far different as removed from that first track as you could possibly get, and still be on the same soundtrack. So here we go. So as I said, you know, in terms of like how it's changed my life, yeah, well, it, it totally got me into the idea of, of writing, um, wanting to write, you know, big symphonic kind of music. Um, so I, if you'll indulge me, I wanted to play you a little bit of a piece that I wrote um, and um, just kind of. It, yeah, I mean, you can probably hear some of the influences in here, maybe. I don't know. Um, but, you know, as I say, everything I learned about writing this kind of music came from that album. So, uh, so this, is, this is a track I wrote in 2014. Yeah, and it was the first time I'd really felt happy with a whole kind of orchestral kind of sounding piece. Uh, so, yeah, here we go.
yeah, there you go. So, um, yeah, Lord definitely. Lord of the Rings, mate. Woo! <laughs> yeah, so um, definitely um, in terms of, you know, guiding my life, really, and my, and my career and, and everything I do musically, um, yeah, I owe a lot to this album. So there you mm. go. Definitely life-changing for me. That was yeah. great. That Brilliant. was a great piece of music you wrote there, mate. I got to say that was yeah. uh, that would be up there with uh, Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones, man. Yeah. Um, thanks. No, no, no. Just, that's cool. yeah. thanks. Just one question: Did you manage to get all those people in your little room, rehearsal room? Yet? <laughs> <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a long that was process. Smith. Smith. Yeah, yeah. That Smith Orchestra is is pretty damn good, you know. <laughs> And they're cheap. You just pay them in mushrooms. It's awesome. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Give them mushrooms. Now, we're going to move on to the uh, wonderful Ollie. How are you, mate? Have you got stuff lined up for us here? Yes. I'll just, I'll just get myself back onto Zoom. Can you hear me? Brilliant. Yep. I'm looking forward yeah, to having uh, a deep dive into your past. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of a caveat to this um, album I'm going to feature tonight is that last time I was on your show, it was the prog show, uh, prog or not, yes, and um, I'm I'm sorry to say, lads, but um, I'm going to have to um, have have prog come your way because it is nice. very influential in my life. So. No, no, that's so, right. yeah, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, good. Oh, look, you know, there's so many albums. You know, you think about over the years that have had some influence or impact on your uh, on your life, but you know, life changing. Oh, that's a difficult one. But this album, particularly that I remember, I was 27, but I was a fan of the band prior to. Prior to this, and it's from. Um, can anyone guess? I'm thinking, Ian, you'll probably guess. I'm on it, Frog. That's Merillion. I think we're going. We're going down the Merillion Avenue. We're going down the Merillion track. Sorry, guys, but look, I just look this album in particular. Look, I'll give a little bit of a synopsis for it because you know it was uh, 1994. As I said, I was 27, and I remember my brother was just a massive Merillion fan, and I was kind of you know in the background with him, but. As soon as Steve Hogarth, the lead singer, took over and he was starting to produce a few albums following Fisher's uh, leaving the band, things, I just, his voice just absolutely find it just mesmerising. And he's an amazing character. And after this album, I think two years later, I was living in London at the time, and they played this particular album. So this album's called Brave. And they played this album at Hammersmith Apollo. So it was, a, it was a gig. And where they played the album from start to finish. So the whole gig itself had no interruptions no breaks it just played the album from start to finish and i was absolutely uh, mesmerized by it, the whole thing and so if you brave is really just a it's a it's a sort of a story based on a runaway girl so there was some uh, story at the time and the band really you know obviously took um took the story to heart and they produced this album basically around this whole story of this runaway child so that's the background. I remember the album, the the concert itself was one of those ones where, you know, there was no introduction. It was just started with music and darkness. And then this, as the light started to sort of, you know, open up and very slowly fade into more, um, you just found yourself absorbed in this whole, um, I don't know, it just felt so mesmerising right from the very beginning. And, um, yeah, so... So that's a little bit about this particular album that I just absolutely love. So I'll play you actually a little clip it from uh, one of my favourite um, songs on this album. This one is called The Great Escape. 
It actually does sound <laughs> like one of those sweeping Tim Finn ballads, actually, just sort of That's... tying a little bit back to, to one of the other albums. The, yeah. the voice very much reminds me of uh, one of Tim Finn's sort of more emotive sort of ballady things. Yeah, and I was just, yeah, it does. And like that's kind of obviously the, the style of Marillion. They just have this very melodic kind of sound. But I was just interested to say, you know, when Martin was talking about the orchestral element too, so I might have said last time that Marillion are doing a lot of orchestral stuff. They're playing with, with four-part, five-part orchestral groups and, and full orchestras. Um, they, if you really want to get into their beautiful orchestra stuff, you can look at the uh, gig they did at the Royal Albert Hall in London. That is an absolute epic album from Marillion. So yeah, they're um yeah they're they're special. So um that's what I've chosen tonight. Do you want me a little tiny clip? Have Maybe you, have another quick one. Got, are you boys familiar with Mer, with Merlian? Merlian? Yeah, uh, yes, I, I think am. They're a really interesting band because they're a band of two halves, right? Because obviously there's the Fish era and then mm. there's the Hogarth era, and mm. I think Hogarth era. I mean, you know, they always the purists always compare it to the Fish era. Um, and as as a result, it never quite, I don't know, it never seemed to get as much recognition or as much um, as kudos as it really deserved. But right out yeah. of the bat, like with that very first one they did, Season's End, which is like the, the first one that Steve Hogarth did, yeah. that's an amazing album. An yeah, amazing yeah. album. Uh, it's an amazing songwriting, amazing mm. production. Um, and, and they're producing has... albums right now, right up to the current day. They are still producing and playing and and still releasing albums. You know, they uh, really have been an epic uh, band. Um, and Fish, you know, to hear his own interesting solo career, I've said it. Actually, he's just recently announced that he's actually retired from, from performing. But, you know, he had, once he left Marillion, he had his own you know, great individual career. But Marillion, I think they just went from strength to strength after Fish. No, just to respect to him, but... They just seem to have that vibe together as a band. And, um, yeah, they're just one of those also bands that have managed to move away, or sort of, I guess, sort of shun commercialism very strongly and they've had their own strong fan base. And that's the fan base, is the, is which has actually helped them fund a lot of their albums and their concerts are, are sold out. They have a lot of conventions still where they uh, play as, um, in particular locations around the world. Um and I mentioned last time someone met, knew it. They played on the that they do that boat trip, you know, the uh, cruise, cruise to the edge, um, edge cruise. Yeah, they, yeah, they do that. So that's another one of the regular gigs. So I'll play just another little, little clip, and this is um, a song called the uh, Hollow Man. Brilliant. I can feel the outside feeding on my insides Leaves a growing darkness in its place I think I have become one of the hollow men
what's the album called, Ollie? Great. Nice. Uh, quick question yeah. for you. Do you think uh, that album still has a sort of impact on you now as it did yeah. years ago? Yeah, it does. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know if you're the same, but I, it's my go-to album. Like, when I want to just sort of chill out and go into, like, a happy space, I'll be at night or put my headphones on, lie in bed in the dark, and I'll just play this album. And I just kind of, you know, takes me back. You know, I think it takes me to that concert, you know, because it was such a memorable concert for me. I'll always say that's the best thing I've ever been to. You know, you'll have a concert that you love. Mm. And so every time I'll go back to that, I'll put myself in that seat and I'll put myself in that zone and it was my absolute happy place. So every time I listen to it, there's nothing about that album I get sick of. Every time I listen to it, I get something out of it. And it's modern. It's, it, it's you know, it retains its... Um, it's modern um, flavour. It hasn't dated at all. Um, there's a lot of interesting aspects to the to this band. So yeah, that's so those that's songs. Me. Those songs you were playing. When did they? When when were they released? Yep. Uh, 1994. Wow. Yeah, they could be yeah. released today. Yeah. 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 I mean, look. You know, there's there's nothing about this music. And if you look about Marillion's, you know, their trajectory. In their albums, you know, there's there's not a, there's not swings and you know big mm. movements in their style, but there's just subtle additions, you know, that make it more kind of um, celebrationary, I guess. But there's they haven't launched from you know one theme to another to it's another. Not a fashion. It's not a fashion. They're not a fashion. fashion. It's not a fashion. Not at all. They are completely committed to the music, and they are they are you know consummate professionals, and that's what I love about their band. So there's nothing, as you said, David. There's nothing that you could say. Well, this is actually of its time. Really, to me, it's just mm. this beautiful prog. Yeah. That's really nice. Thanks for deep diving with us there, mate. Really enjoyed that. No worries, and, uh, mate. I think it's probably worth a, a, a go and listen to if you've never heard that before. I talk to a yep. lot of people when, God, the amount of people that have never heard of Marillion, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Very nice. They, mm. Very nice. Thank you, my friend. Enjoyed that. Love it. And... We're going to swing over to the man himself, Glenn Thurston. get to actually start singing who knows <laughs> i love the beach boys yeah how <laughs> it should <laughs> yeah like when did they actually start and i suppose that's one of the cool things about this record for an album that is 43 minutes long there is a lot of space in it it's kind of almost like what they're not playing that kind of makes the bit of a difference with that um that's the start of breathe pink floyd's Dark Side of the Moon mm. album. Um, as I said, that album goes way, way back for me. It was played, obviously, when I was probably quite little. In the womb. Nah, mm. quite possible, too. Quite possible. <laughs> and then, and then um, obviously, I, like Mark was just talking about, I, I did get the fortunate opportunity to see Pink Floyd 
and it's sort of, you know, mind-blowing type moment. And then obviously you go back and you start listening to it and nerd out on it. Um, look, let's be honest, Pink Floyd probably may have made better albums, but nothing really defines them like mm. Dark Side of the Moon. Um, the original prog, Glenn. The original prog. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not, it's not we've, already, we've already done that. Yeah, yeah, no, sure. I, was I had to say, it. I had to say. It. Yeah, it, it's uh, everything that they did that they did before it, and everything that they'd go on to do, but just sort of perfect balance. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. Um, maybe it's indie band finally got lucky. Um, and, <laughs> and 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 um, and and but what happened was it, it resonated with well, and, and continues to resonate. Um, and. Yeah, it, as Mark was saying before, it's one of those albums that I'll go back to. It's a warm, fluffy blanket. Um, if you're feeling mm. happy, it's a good one to chuck on if it's you're feeling a bit down. Um, plus, it's also got a lot of heart to it. It covers um, so many different themes about what it is to be human. Um, and, you know, Roger reined himself in at that point, thankfully. And it's direct and to the point um, mm. about things that drive you nuts and how to resist that sort of stuff um and it's incredibly diverse musically i mean you've got your rockers mm -hmm. you've got your your trippy sort of spaced out sort of thing like that um and then you've got things like this which is um quite odd too As a young person you're like what the hell's all that about when you're little you're like what's going on um but again all of these different things all come together um so in some elements it's quite soulful and quite funky and groovy and um yeah and then you know got... when i hear that track uh great gig in the sky mm -hmm. and when i when i hear those ladies just absolutely taking you to another place i just wonder sometimes who who decided that we're going to do that? We're not going to have a keyboard break or a guitar break. We're going to have mm. well, these they, they wonderful were, they were, voices. That... Well, they were lost in the studio. They um they had the piece. They didn't quite know how to finish it. And then they, the idea was, why don't we get someone to sing on it and no lyrics, but we'll give it a go. And they didn't give um Claire Tori much direction at all. Um, and then so she just. They said just just wail over mm. it. No words. Yeah, just, so, yeah, so Glenn, yeah. Who was the vocalist? Who was the vocalist? Claire Torrey. Claire Torrey. Okay. Yeah. So just wow. improvise, and then oh, a bit more emotional here and there. Mm. Um, and so she did, and mm -hmm. she got paid her money, and they said they just said thank you very much, like we're just saying thank you now. Um, you know, in their very understated English way, they were kind of more like blown away by it. She didn't think anything would happen. And then this album came out, and she's like, I wonder if my thing made it on there. Probably not. I was a bit embarrassed by it. And then she listened to it and was like, ah, I'm on the record. There I am. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because it's like, it's as if they just said, well, here's a spot in the song for you to do a solo, like saying to a guitarist or yeah. a musician, do a solo here. Yeah, Doesn't matter exactly. what it is, just do a solo. Um, that's and right. They must, and they must have known 
as a band that Dark Side of the Moon was was turned into an amazing album by the stage. They, 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 they knew it. Was, they knew mm. it, that, mm. you know. They knew it was um, that um, you know certainly on the way, and this mm. was the best thing that they'd done. Um, and it's really interesting it, that um, you know bringing it right up to present day. You know, obviously Waters and Gilmore are not on the best of terms usually no um but you know they, they've been having quite a bit of a, a barney over the last couple of weeks uh certainly around russia and a lot of political stuff but in, in his defense waters recently um clarified um, a statement that he made to to some journalist who basically said that um everything that the other three did on dark side was rubbish. Um, it was all me, like they, they did mm -hmm. overall. It was all my idea. And that's why I'm re-recording it, which he's doing it, right? He's re-recording the album. Um, mm. but he has clarified and said, I never said that. And, um, I think that, that Dave's guitar solos on that album are beautiful and totally in place with, with that album. Good on um, him. Yeah. yeah. Kudos, kudos to Roger. So, Lewis, eh? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I'll end up, we'll just play a little bit more and then we'll, we'll shuffle on to um, yeah. something else. Last one. There you go, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon from 1973, and that's and I still get the you know the goosebumps Goose. and stuff like that. It's Pink, yeah, it's Pink Floyd take you to church basically, isn't it? You know, it's it's mm. amazing when you think about it in that terms. But like with that organ thing going on, oh, there's, there's that gospel thing going on in there. There's a lot going on. I dissected it once, had to do a preso, and um, yeah, huge amount of styles all the way through it. Um, and yeah, yeah kind, of, kind of a really good gateway album to find so many other bands, you know. <laughs> and then when you and, the, and yeah. then when you when you start diving into Pink Floyd, there's a lot of diversity in what they made. And, yeah. in, and is it any wonder that I end up really liking a lot of alternative music because it? Yeah, I mean, these, yeah, are, the, these are the sort of questions I was going to get into here, which was what other albums or influences have grown from the albums we've we've gone through. So we'll touch on that briefly. Mm, okay. But um, yeah, Dark Side, great. We're going to do an episode just on Dark Side, I think, uh, which I can't wait to do because it's such a, a great album to talk about. So much stuff about Dark Side. But um, wonderful. Yeah, thank you for deep diving there, Glenn. Appreciate that. That's me. Oh, yeah. can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, have a guess. This will be interesting. The artist? Yeah. I'm about is 11. It, I'm about 11 years old. 10 or 11. Is oh, it, so not your it, is it, is it? Is it Stevie Ray? <laughs> or is it Kate, Kate Bush? <laughs> no. I, reckon, I, reckon, I think it's Stevie Ray. And it's that album that was left behind. You know me so well, man. It's Stevie Ray. Wow. Yeah, I have chose... The uh, the first album ever done by Ray Vaughan, 
which was uh, Texas Flood. And the reason I chose this album was because I really remember two things. I remember being on the monkey bars at school and there was lots of girls on the monkey bars and one of them was called Morag. And they, they were singing True Blue by Madonna. And yeah, they were, they were singing this great new Madonna song that had come out and all the girls were singing it. And us guys were kind of swinging around and I was just thinking to myself, ah, just, I'm not sure about that. I couldn't process what I could hear, but I wasn't sure about something. And anyway, I remember going home at some point and my mum had a, a border renting a room at the time and he had one cassette tape, which was Texas Flood. And I put it on and she told me it was too loud, put the headphones on. And so I put the headphones on and listened to Texas Flood. So this is the first thing that I heard. And that is Rude Mood by uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. And that was me hooked. I uh, heard that that Chicken Picking and the Texas Shuffle and uh, True Blue by Madonna went out the window. And I thought, this, what is this? What is this in my ears? And I definitely remember that was a life-changing moment for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you got to guitar in, was that one of the things that you recall? Take your to take yourself back to that particular album when you started getting to guitaring, that's what you wanted to kind of emulate? I think, yeah, I, I didn't play start playing until way later, but I definitely mm. remember dancing around the room. I remember moving and pretending I could play like my tennis racket. Yeah, mm. it, it had an impact on me, really. I wanted to do something with my hands and music. Mm. Yep. So that Sounds was... Sounds like a song that, uh, that definitely wants to make you get up and move, yeah? That's it. It was... You know, he was coming on mainstream. He was Texan blues. It wasn't really ear played, but the Kiwis love Ray Vaughan. He was massive over here. I think he was married to a Kiwi, wasn't he? He was, was. married to a Kiwi chick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So he was massive over here. Um, and but don't let me just forget that Europa ad. The Europa ad. And the Europa yeah, ad. Yeah, he mm. was there, man. He was, <laughs> he was there. But let's jump on to second track, which, uh, again, the sound. Today even, I just love it. Check this out. He does sing. I just skipped to a bit of vocals there, but yeah, just great Texan shuffle. Just it was guitar music, and the guitar did something obviously to me at that point. And uh, I think that was something that that 
started a little seed in my head. I think also it doesn't it doesn't have a studio kind of flavor. It just raw like you just someone's put a tape on 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 a stage. You know, it's it's just fantastic. So raw. One hundred percent, mate. You're there, and it's Mm. it's no. There's no smoke and mirrors. He isn't great. Nah, nah. He's just plugging in, which leads me to the second memory which I have. The monkey bars was the first, and the second (laughs) the second memory I have of this album, which was life changing, uh, was. Bike shed? Yeah, go on. The bike shed. <laughs> <laughs> no? Monkey bars to the bike shed? No? I'll, I'll shut yeah. up. I'll shut up. Sorry. <laughs> David, you, you're so shallow, man. I'm not like that. But um, much. <clears throat> and uh, we got – so this – and this is a great memory for me because I had to turn it down and put headphones on, which was probably the best thing my mum could have said to me because I was listening to it quite loud and with sensitive ears and i i this was the moment where i understood and realized about uh, a humming from an amp i could hear something hum and i remember i still remember now being really excited and thinking what is this going on in my ears and this is a song. I just love this song. If you want to listen to this, put headphones on, listen to it loud. Turn the lights off. This is called Lenny. That's, I decided it was going to be my funeral song because I just knew. And yeah, I just, it's, it's beautiful. There's no words. It hums. You can hear the amps. You can hear the valves. You can hear the crackles. You can actually, they re-released an issue where you can hear him. I think you can hear his foot tapping at one part. And I just mm. love that. So, I'm going to go back and listen to this thing. I've forgotten about Stevie Ray, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and you've absolutely made me think, I'm going to go back and listen to that. It's just beautiful, isn't it? Absolutely magic. Oh, please do. Love, love, it's, love uh, it. Yeah, love Texas, it. Texas Flood. I mean, he progressed as a player, which was really nice, but that first album for me was just, it's like you said, man, it was raw. I just think it, it definitely moved me in a way where mm. all my, my mates at the time I was aware of were listening to trashy sort of shit. And I was like, I, yeah, no, I want, I'm hearing stuff in my ears, which excited me. Um, yeah, and it still stands the test of time. One of still one of my favorite mm. albums. Put it on and I'm right there, man. Mm. But uh, hey, listen, we'll, we'll just quickly rip around the group as well, because I know we're running short of time here. Do you think you hear different things in the same album years later? Are you picking new stuff up? Or is it the same sort of sound that's familiar? Is there something you've thought, yeah, okay, as we've matured, let's go from the top as we was, David? Yeah, I think so. As a um, um, a, a parent now for the best part of a decade, 
totally see this album quite differently right and it's a an, uh, it's a family album and it's an album about a range of themes that sort of tie into family and that so yeah i do i do listen to it differently um in terms of the music though um i don't think i mean i yeah i, I still appreciate it like i did back 2011 or 2012 when i discovered it but i think the lyrics right how mm. it speaks and that is probably a bit different these days yeah yeah glenn chadwick um yeah i think what struck me this week listening to it was just that it's really about i guess more about shutting down emotions rather than feeling emotions and the coldness mm. there so it's a very cold album um which doesn't resonate with me anymore really but um at the time it was yeah quite an interesting approach to to sad stuff yeah yeah nice martin what about you yeah i mean obviously sonically yes because you know when you're talking like a hundred piece orchestra there's always going to be something that you haven't, mm. haven't zoned in on before when you're listening to it but i think it, you know a lot of it depends on where you are emotionally yourself as a listener you know if you're you know if you talk to how i listen to that album now as to how i listened to it when i was four or five yeah i mean totally different things going on but I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's an album that I think, you know, I'll be listening to, to try and pop my clogs, I'm sure of it. But I think, um, yeah, I think all of, all of the albums tonight have been really interesting in that respect in that, you know, there's a legacy to them, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the stuff, you know, there's, that's the great thing about music, right? Is it just lives on and on and on and you pass it on to your kids and mm -hmm. they pass it on to their kids and stuff. You know, mm. so I think it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you, Ollie? So yes, listen, listen to it years later. Did you find yeah. certain things in there? Or? Yeah, I did. Look, you know, interesting. Just Martin just said too. There's that sense of longevity in an album, you know, and that's a big thing for me. And also the fact that the that the the uh, the guys today are still going ahead and doing their thing. And this was in 1994. So you know, you do sense that that legacy is really important. And I do kind of listen to it slightly different in a way but for me it's more nostalgic it goes back as i said before to that moment in time when you're completely fixated and in, in a at a venue to listen to this uh, music i guess to also like my, my brother and i it's kind of like a thing that connects us together because we're both really really big meridian fans so we kind of we've got it's, nice. it's a it's a conversation we have amongst ourselves so every time we you know we refer to that um that band you know we've got this kind of understanding and we so that kind of, that's important to me. It, it kind of, um, it's part of our relationship as, as Merlion. So, mm. so nice. yeah, but listening to it differently, yes and no. I think for me, it's like a comfortable shoe, you know. You don't want to, you don't want to change it. You don't want to, don't want the soul to wear out, you know, because you like, because <laughs> you like it that much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> love yeah. it. This will be interesting. We we'll go to Glenn Thurston as a, a hardcore Floydian um you know you've probably got all the bootlegs all the all remastered stuff all the versions mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. unfortunately and it's well, a, no. i think it's a slightly toxic toxic relationship at times however uh, going, going back uh, to I'm the still original happy album with it. though yeah absolutely yeah. um and yes i do find new things in it all the time and i think that's partially because the concepts in it or the 
a universal human things and no matter when or where we are in, in our history and you can watch it and read it and listen to it and it still speaks today exactly the same um so and yeah i always find something new in it um either sometimes it can be a comfort thing but also um maybe slightly different to mark i actually like it when other people cover it and do something a bit wacky and strange with it as well because i think that's actually quite fun like when the flaming lips did it and yeah i know so and, i've i've heard and, the and i've heard the dub side of the moon. i've got the dub side i really like that too oh, I, oh. I do like a bit of variety in it but ultimately it's yeah it's not an album of you know they've got better songs but i think as a whole it's good so yeah it's that sort of i don't know it resonates and continues to resonate for me very good as i've got older yeah well, hey, listen. This, is, uh, this has been a wonderful sesh. Yeah, I, I don't. I think I just go straight back to the nostalgia. I don't really hear too much new stuff in it, but I, I really, funny enough, I, I don't listen to the song. I, I start to become more of a tone searcher as I'm getting older. Ah, right. I start to listen to tones mm. of stuff. So, whether that's a musical thing, I, I'm not sure. But um, I understand though. Hmm. Yeah, and and interesting when you play the Marillion again through the headphones, the pianos on that man sound full, man, beautiful, damn. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have enjoyed our show. We're going to sign off for the evening. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Glenn and um, Mark. Thank you, guys. Yes. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you so much for sharing the show with us, guys. See and, you next uh, time.